Welcome to a new episode of the Between the Posts podcast. Every football match is a story in itself, and at Between the Posts, we try to tell you exactly those stories. We attempt to find out what actually happens on the pitch during a clash between two football teams, providing tactical insights that will help you enjoy the beautiful game even more than before. My name is Eric Elias, and I'm here with Jose Perez, also from Between the Posts. Jose, welcome. Hi, Eric, and hello, everyone. Thanks for having me here, as usual. And for this game, this time, we let democracy choose our game, and democracy was right. (laughs) Well, I agree it was democracy, but it was a small portion of democracy because we ran a Twitter poll. Obviously, not everybody who was listening is on Twitter, but indeed, we couldn't find out what we wanted to do. So we put it on Twitter, and we put four options in there. Leicester against Chelsea, Tottenham against City, uh, this game, Gladbach against Leipzig, and the Madrid Derby. Well, you talked me out of doing the Madrid Derby, which was a very good uh, thing to do from you, obviously. Yes, and it was four, it's was. it been four years of terrible uh, Madrid Derbies. So I had enough evidence to, be, to know that this one was not going to be good either. Yeah, good call. Then, yeah, my, my, my intuition said, oh, we should do a Premier League game then. And then we ran a Twitter poll and this Bundesliga game won it. And yes, I think we can be very happy with that if we saw the game today. Yes. So the first um, Bundesliga game we ever do is Leipzig against Gladbach. Two very interesting uh, managers, young managers who are doing very well. Marco Rose and uh, Julian Nagelsmann, obviously. Um, when you see those two guys, you know this is going to be a tactical clash. And you know, let's just start with the lineups because that's where uh, that's the starting point for tactical discussions. Leipzig in their trademark 4-2-2-2 system, which they have not always played this season and last season, but they've returned to it in recent times. Well, not really unexpected, was it, Jose? For the for, for Leipzig, that that was that's more or less what we expect. Leipzig uh, under Nagelsmann do change their approach depending on the opponent. Like mm-hmm. sometimes Nagelsmann has chosen to play with a back three with Leipzig, hasn't exactly. Uh, at least according to our writer Peter, it, the three at the back hasn't worked great for Leipzig. But in the, but the overall rule is yeah, he goes game by game. But still, I think the dominant formation is still the four two two two. Right, and um, at Gladbach, Rose switched formation, uh, went for three at the back, which was, from our point of view at least, a very specific move for this match. Yes, so normally, at least the story for Gladbach through for this season was that they started with a midfield diamond formation, which is pretty much what Marco Rose was using uh, for uh, Salzburg. And then, and it didn't work as well as they wanted, so they started switching over to this four-two-three-one formation. The interesting thing is that yes, for this particular game against Leipzig, they decided to go to the back three, where uh, Sakaria, who is usually the holding midfielder, he just went. He basically became the third center back right in the middle. So in the end, we have a back three that was composed of uh, Swiss international Elbedi, Sakaria, and Ginta. Then we ended up with this double pivot that was, uh, uh, at the beginning, Christoph Kramer, who was had to be substituted due to 
injury, so he was uh, substituted by Stobel. Then we and the, and beside Neuhaus, who is very fun young player. Actually, I haven't seen him much, but even even today he had a couple really good flashes that I liked. Wingbacks were Stevi Laina and Oscar Vent on the left. And then the front three, which is incredible, which was incredibly fun in this game, was Plea, Turam, and Hoffman. That is a very interesting forward trio, and we'll be talking about them a lot uh, throughout this pod because they do a lot of they did a lot of good work both in pressing and attack. Yes, this was this game was all about pressing. So let's go into that first half. Do you want to first start with Leipzig pressing shape or how Gladbach did it? I think it would be more logical to go over Gladbach first because they more or less dominated the first half. Um, can you explain to the listener how they try to press Leipzig high up the field? So the inter- what I found interesting about uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach's pressing was that some it was less intense than I expected it. and Surprisingly, the three forwards at the front did most of the work. For example, they didn't press all the way. They didn't press that aggressively all the way to Leipzig's center backs. It was mostly just Turam up front pressing the center backs. The interesting thing was the positioning of the other two forwards, usually uh, Hoffman and Plea, who were who were basically out wide and they were between the fullbacks and the midfielders. They were trying to cut those passing lanes. Leipzig tends to like these passing combinations where they send the ball upfield really quickly. Uh, one of the players uh, receives the ball with their, back to go, with their back to goal and then lays it off to the closest teammate. It, the entire point of Gladbach's pressing system was to prevent those kinds of quick combinations. Because once Leipzig goes all the way up front and they start doing all of these quick passing combinations, accumulating a lot of players in a single spot, one, it's very hard to take the ball off them. Two, if they lose it, they counterpress really effectively. So you had to prevent all of that from happening. So the first step was to press Leipzig in such a way that they couldn't connect with the forwards and that's what Gladbach succeeded at doing throughout the first half, which is why they pr- they produced seven shots against Leipzig too. So it yeah, was a very interesting, really result. fun to see Leipzig getting pressed so high up the field for once for themselves. You know, because obviously they are known for that for themselves, and it just proves that you can be a great team in pressing yourself. But then if you try to build out from the back, then you cannot uh, perform it. Can you uh, maybe go into detail how a lot of those turnovers were created by Gladbach? Because we saw a lot of Leipzig turnovers in their own half when trying to build up from the back. You know, It was not like they were trying to bypass the press with a long ball in the first half or with a more direct approach. No, they tried to play out uh, with short passing. Can you explain what they did wrong in those moments? Yes. So, as you mentioned, the interesting thing about Leipzig's approach was that they didn't, they didn't do the long balls. They even didn't even try to play through the wings much. They actually just tried to pass through the center of Gladbach's defense, which didn't work out well. Usually Leipzig, um, uh, Peter, uh, our writer Peter described that really well in one of his Statsbomb articles. He described how 
Leipzig really likes to make like these diagonal, short diagonal passes through the middle. Uh, and they and all the players kind of move to create triangles, third man runs, and these kinds of things to progress, to progress upfield. And Gladbach was really good at, at anticipating those passes and intercepting them. And that generated so many turnovers. Uh, a, good exa a good example of a turnover like that was what generated the second goal. Mm -hmm. Yes, second goal came in the 35th minute uh, of Hoffman. As you mentioned, he played just behind uh, the striker. He played a very good game. A uh, player formerly from Dortmund was tried on the wing a bit, but he's really flourishing uh, in the center now. Um, can we, before we talk about the second goal, first talk about the first goal? Because, wow, what a goal that was. I generally enjoyed that. That was of that was that actually gets us to describe a bit what was uh, mm -hmm. Borussia Mönchengladbach's build-up phase. It was a, it was more direct than Leipzig. They didn't have too many issues in. Well, if Leipzig is pressing us, then we just send a long ball over to Turam, and then Turam can hold up the ball and then lay it off to to Hoffman or to or to one of the wing backs mm -hmm. so that worked out pretty well for them uh another important component of gladbach's build-up phase was the right wing back stevilina he did a lot of good ball progression part of it was because leipzig's uh left back who is halstenberg was a bit more conservative he didn't push up to press because he had to worry about marking Marcos Turam. Mm -hmm. So he didn't push up to press, and that gave Lina a lot of space to progress the ball upfield. And all of the, that entire circuit uh, with Hoffman, Turam, and, and Lina was very important for ball progression. And it's, that's where the first goal came from, basically. You send, they send a longer... Lina sent a longer pass uh, to Turam, who then laid it off uh, to Huffman, and then that then that started the sequence that ultimately led uh, led to the goal. With Huffman himself making the making that final, actually he he didn't do the assist, but the pre-assist. No, but that's why assists are like a really bad measurement for creativity in general, because um, that pass he made was so so good first time. Immediately the other guy laid it off, and Playa finished it off, and. Um, You know, there is a lot of things we can do on a podcast, but we cannot show you this goal. So if you haven't seen it, please look it up. Because as Jose explained, build-up was very pretty and there were like three guys who made the extra pass. Instead of shooting for themselves, they made the extra pass. And as we, of course, love at Between the Posts, they created a great shot location instead of just going for another shot. So that was beautiful to see. Yes, after that, indeed, the second goal was more... Um, about how Gladbach created high turnovers. Um, and this was, you know, everybody knows that quote from Jurgen Klopp, right? That uh, counterpressing is the best playmaker in the world. Yes. This was like a, like a perfect example of that. You know, high turnover, one pass, and you're 1v1 with the goalkeeper. And yeah, I think in general, um, we can maybe talk a little bit about how why Leipzig were so not in the game. Because it, they were a bit stubborn in my, uh, from my point of view in the first half. They were a bit stubborn with their approach. They kept all the time not able to bypass the press with their short passing game. And I think that's what cost them dearly in the first half. I agree. And again, that's, the, that's what you kind of expect from a game 
between Marco Rose and Nagelsmann in that you'll have both teams that are very specific about their coaching instructions. Like you knew that the players were just were following the blueprint that the coach had given them. And it's like, well, you have to keep doing those passes through the middle. And they spent the entire first half doing that and it didn't work out and it led to more turnovers and it led to some good chances for Gladbach. So after the, after halftime, you could see how Leipzig had significantly changed their yes, approach. One the more point I'd like to make, which yes. we, we will go into the second half, but I think that a lot of times managers think up game plans, as you mentioned. And I think if you see so clearly that it's not working, then you have to adjust before halftime because it's only 90 minutes, you know? So if you are going to put up with a not, with a, with a, with a not functioning game plan for 45 of those 90 minutes, then you throw away a lot, you know? I, I, I think I mentioned this on the first or second podcast we did that I really think it's a huge positive if a manager adjusts a game plan that's not working after 20 or 25 minutes not always with a sub but just by waiting so long managers a lot of times waste their time yeah i think in the case of the uh, of these kinds of managers plan a is so complex that restructuring restructuring it in the middle of a game is always a bit more difficult which is why they which is why he waited for halftime again i'm just guessing we don't, we don't know a lot of inside information no they, they might have just been they might have just been stubborn about it but but who knows <laughs> yeah if we look at the second half we see a completely different game i do have to say um he did make two changes at halftime so he did change it more drastically than managers would normally do maybe he put in a chic uh, tall forward and Paulson, another tall forward. Yes, and um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if Sheik is that tall. Is he? He well, he definitely one, looks tall. He's 186 meters. How much? Okay, is that? which is which is probably like what average height for Dutch standards? You tallest people in the world. I think so. Is that like six one or six two or something? Well, how much is it? 186. Yeah. That is around, yeah, that is like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, yes. Okay, the guy looks taller anyway. But back to football tactics. Um, I think we couldn't even call it a 4-2-2-2 two, two, two anymore. I think this was just a straight-up 4-2-4 four, four, with those uh, two guys in the center, uh, Werner, Timo Werner, and Nkunku moved to the wings and uh, Tyler Adams at right back. Very offensive uh, substitutions. He took off the right back Mukiele and Forsberg, who I think didn't play that bad. But okay, if you want to change the system and you're not going to play with a 10 anymore, then you're uh, moving your only 10 out of the way. Um, obviously, Sabitzer is so um, multifunctional, he can play anywhere on the pitch. So he didn't have mm-hmm. to go. And yeah, they end up with a 4 2 4 formation. And they indeed go to play more direct. And as a result of that, we saw a very different second half. Yes. And the approach to build up, uh, as we had said before, was very different. They weren't trying to do the passes through the middle as often anymore, but they were mixing it up a lot more. So you could see you, they could get to points in which they just decided, okay, then we just send long ball to Schick and Paulson. They yeah. are very good at holding, at holding up the ball, and that allows the rest of the team to move forward. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I noticed is that they started 
they started doing more passing, more passing combinations on the wings. Or you would sometimes have like these triangles between the center back, the midfielder, and the fullback. They would just try to keep the ball in between them, try to attract players, uh, defenders uh, from Gladbach, and then try to send a, a, a vertical pass upfield to, say, Werner or, or Nkunku or the strikers. Mm-hmm. So they started mixing it up a, a bit. And because of that, whenever they try to do the combinations through the middle, they were more effective because it was, more, it, it was all more unpredictable. Yes, and I should also notice that Leipzig are normally very good at picking up the second balls, and they did that uh, very well with the wingers coming inside a bit more and the central midfielders also pushing up. Um, What helped them a lot also was a quick goal, which had not a lot to do with their own play, but yeah, we can say a big mistake from Jan Sommer, the goalkeeper from München Gladbach, who five minutes into the second half just drops a ball that would like count like catching practice i think at the goalkeeper training like a very easy long ball and he just dropped it because of some physicality by chic also but i think physicality by chic and he also fell right on top of sakaria too it's just one of those exercises where probably if you're a keeper you're basically told don't drop the ball even if you die yeah but he dropped it so she could tap in the 2-1 and that being said, that's a mistake. That's one mistake in what has probably been the best Bundesliga goalkeeper in the last two years or so. Mm-hmm. It's been a spectacular true. run run for for Sommer, who probably doesn't get doesn't get enough uh, enough fanfare and press about what he's done over the last two years, which has been spectacular. Yeah, it's. It- uh, interesting to note that the goalkeeper position at Bayern Munich, obviously the last two seasons, was a bit uh, discussion with Neuer and also Dortmund. I have a goalkeeper that's just below average if you compare it to the rest of the squad. So I think you make a good point there about Sommer. And I just went into the standard, uh, <laughs> the standard behavior that yeah, you never talk about a goalkeeper on a tactics podcast unless he makes a mistake, right? So. Uh, or unless he's like I don't know Ter Stegen and uh, or Ederson and they make like well, the most ridiculous uh, passes. Yes, correct. And I should say that uh, the, the Leipzig goalkeeper today, which was Gulaxi, of course, was really good at playing the sweeper keeper role. You know, coming out and dropping up because you know, as we discussed, uh, München Gladbach went with a lot of balls over the top and also long direct passes. He he sweeped up a lot of those passes. So. There are technically interesting things to say about uh, goalkeepers. So I think we just uh, noticed that. Yeah, after that 2-1, after that quick goal by Leipzig, exactly what they would have wanted at halftime. Um, do you think Gladbach sat deep too early at that time? Do you think they gave up the pressing too early? That they sat A back? bit. A bit. Because, of course, at this point, the narrative will be that it was the fault of the red card. But they were already being overcome before the red card they had already been pushed back before the red card right you noticed that it was a red card okay so for those who didn't see the red card um yeah it's hard for me to talk about this without getting annoyed but um playa on a counter-attack because Borussia Mönchengladbach were sitting a bit deeper after they conceded uh after a counter-attack of during a counter-attack for my opinion playa got fouled then he wanted a free kick and then he made some hand gestures, got a yellow card. And then 
or he said something or he didn't say something. We don't know that as viewers, but he went on gesticulating and he went on making hand gestures and then he got a second yellow card within 20 seconds without touching the ref or anything, just very clear non-verbal behavior that he didn't like the decision. And yeah, to give a red card for that is just stupid. from my point. As a tactics person, I just hate red cards overall because they always they always make the match more a lot more one-sided and more boring well i don't hate red cards i think creative players should be protected but this was just stupid like did this this just just killed the match and for what so that we could see uh danny olmo as a win back i did not <laughs> expect that i was not expect like this was a crazy game that's a fantastic uh way to put it man well done. There was one positive in the dress card, indeed. Um, because I, after that, Michel Gladbach just protected their lead with everything they had. They sat deep in a yeah, 5-3-1, we should call it. Yeah, yeah uh, with Mbolo at the, as the only striker. Yeah, to keep a little bit pressure on the, on the centre-backs. But, you know, a 5-3 block defensively is not that different from a 5-3-2 block defensively. And they kept the five in place, so... It's hard to uh, defend on the wings then, but in general, the center is very well protected. And indeed, uh, Tyler Adams, who was playing as the right back, came off and in came Dani Olmo, for those who don't know, came from Zagreb to Leipzig. Very well-known player with through football aficionados, I think. Um, and football manager, probably. Football manager. Yes, he's a big fella. <laughs> I'm actually not sure. I, I don't really play much football manager for the very simple reason that if I start playing it, I'm not going to stop. No. But indeed, Danny Olmo, um, nominally a attacking-minded midfielder, comes into the match as a, yeah, can we call it a false right-back? How, how should we call his role? Because he was right-back, but he wasn't playing right-back, right? He was like... All to me, that's why I basically call him a wing back. By with that substitution, Leipzig essentially switched over to what seemed to be like a five-two-three. No, we no, had no, no. It was like a they they went all out. Like I wouldn't call it five. That was like a two-three-five three. or something. They they yes. I don't think anyone had defensive-minded tasks in their head. Yes. In yeah. the end, you just the important thing is that at the back you just had uh, Upamecano, Halstenberg, and Klosterman, and then everyone else was just rushing forward to attack. And yeah. to me, the wing backs there uh, were basically Nkunku and, and Olmo, which says everything you have yeah. to ever everything you need to know about how offensive that team was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun to watch, but you know he would never do this against eleven. But still, Dani Olmo frequently going inside. Yeah, like we said, you know, against 10 men, there's always less to talk about tactically, I think. They just had the ball a lot, of course. Uh, Every second ball was picked up by them. I saw very little Klappach counterattacks in that moment. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it you was... see, I tell you, I, I tell you, that's why I hate red cards because that's yeah. that's basically the only thing that you can say. Well, the uh, the team with ten stayed back and tried yeah. to survive the rest of the game. I, I, that I, being I said, that, that it was smart maybe from Leipzig to play with those five attackers so they could like pin back the five defensive players from Gladbach and occupy those spaces in the in the half space, you know, which always occur if you defend with five and three just in front. 
So maybe that's an interesting tactical point. But for the rest, it was just attacking, 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 and yeah. And it was useful for the passing combinations. You basically had uh, Nkunku and, and Olmo just out, out wide they gave width to the attack, and they, are, they were ideal players to try to create passing combinations with the other forwards and midfielders. Mm-hmm. So that worked. That worked out. That worked out pretty well, as you mentioned. I really like almost movements, uh, drifting like drifting silently and undetected towards the middle, right in front of the box. And he would always try to look to shoot and assist from there, because in the end, it was one of those movements towards the uh, to right in front of the box that led to the eighty-eight. 89-minute free mm-hmm. kick that Nkunku ended up scoring. So it, it was vital. Crazy goal. He takes that with his laces. Like, he takes a laser shot, but he he hits the ball somewhere lower than you would normally do, and that ball gets a crazy swerve. He just... Did you notice that that technique, how, how, how he made contact with the ball, was very extraordinary. You rarely see that, and that ball got a swerve. It was... Also for Sommer, that, that like I don't think any goalkeeper in the world would have saved that. I don't think so. It was a beautiful long shot. That was interesting because my first instinct when I saw it was that it had to have bounced off of someone, and then you realize no, it it really didn't. It, it just it was just hit that way. Yeah, it was like normally you get only get a swerve like that on an artificial pitch, you know, which is of course not present in the top leagues. But in the Netherlands, for example, you see a lot of those balls. Then you can. Because the ball is a bit higher, you can you can get under the ball easier. But this this yeah, just insane. Once again, for the second time in one podcast, I hear myself saying, "Go look up that goal," because it was well the other goal that I thought you should watch was a pure team goal. This was on an individual level, just a piece of skill. And also yeah, the technically very good managers Nagelsmann and Co. They also get saved by the quality and the individual talent of their players sometimes. And I think this was an uh, example of that. My God, what a goal! Yeah, and Kunku is a very interesting case because uh, I think a lot of people these days like having Nkunku up front alongside Werner instead of Paulsen, but that disables certain strategies like the long ball strategy mm-hmm. because Nkunku is more of a smaller, fast, skillful player rather than the guy who's going to act as a target man. So it today was a good reminder that you will sometimes need a bit of both. Like sometimes, sometimes there is value in having Nkunku there instead as the striker. Sometimes there's value in having Schick or Paulsen instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leipzig just have a really good eye for talent. That's stating the obvious, but still the, that, they, that they were the one to pick up Olmo, that they were the one to pick up Nkunku, you know, it's just, it's not a coincidence anymore, of course. After that, I thought it was funny that Nagelsmann was first like cheering like a madman, and then after that he said like, "Hey, come, go get the ball," because he wanted, you know, they had like five, six minutes left, could have scored a third, but they didn't, and so we end with a draw. And it's a yeah, it's really a ugly cliche maybe, but can we say a game of two halves? Can't we? This was definitely a game of two halves. And it was incredibly fun again because, yes, you had, you had Gladbach dominate the first half. You could already see Leipzig dominating the second half at the beginning. And, of course, the final half hour was just a siege by, by, Le- by Leipzig. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it, was, it was great. It had fun. And even the part with the red card 
had the entire thing with Nkunkwenda and Dani Olmo as yeah. as wingbacks, which was in, which was fun nonetheless. So we th- this this game had this game was crazy. It had everything. Yeah, I loved it. If I if I have to like give one word to this game, it's it's intensity. You know, there was so much intensity. And what is intensity in football? It's do you have a lot of time for your actions or do you have little time? And with these two teams, with these two managers, you have so little time to decide on your next action. So, you know, the less time you have, of course, the the, the, the more technical insight you need, the more technical quality you need. And because of that high intensity, because of the amount of football actions per minute was so high, you could really see how good the players were at times. And that was just beautiful. And these kind of matches are actually my favorite with, you know, two teams that, that really go at it and that try to uh, take the game to the opponent instead of sitting back. So I really enjoyed that. And for me, it was a reminder that I should watch more Bundesliga and it should let us rethink our process that we needed a Twitter poll to uh, to review this match because this was maybe one of the most technically interesting matches I saw this uh well, not this season, but maybe in the past few weeks. So, a good game. You're the one who has who has something against the Bundesliga. I'm the one who taught who offered this game from the beginning. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I I don't have something against the Bundesliga, but often when I watch it, it's just I think it has a name to be a technically very diverse and interesting league. But I don't think that's true. I think a lot of games follow more or less the same script. And this one didn't. So that was fun. Yes. So again, we have this time, thanks to democracy, we continue <laughs> our track record uh, in choosing good games. And we hope we continue that track record. But I think everybody who voted in a poll should also listen. Because if you voted and you don't listen subsequently, then why would you vote anyway, right? So, we should so that it. we could have fun reviewing uh, games, basically. That would have been... This, this was... 10 times better than having to review the Madrid Derby. That's true. Even though I do have some hopes for Spurs uh, Spurs City to be a really good game, but we'll see about that. Me too. We'll see about that. Right. Thanks, Jose. I'll see you next week. In the meantime, keep tweeting, Facebooking, Instagramming us what you thought. Of course, every piece of uh, feedback is uh, very much appreciated. And I'll see you next week, Jose. All right. See you next week, Eric, and see you, and I'll see you next week for everyone else too. So, keep enjoying football. <laughs> Was a pleasure, man. Bye, bye.